Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short Bible study, about 13 minutes, seven days a week, keeping us in God's Word and helping us thereby to stay strong in our faith because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. We encourage you to share these short studies with everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means with family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. Help somebody in your life grow in their faith, come closer to God, and ultimately, we pray, get to heaven. Make that commitment today. We're going to get back into our section that we're looking at as the closing section of this long series that we've been dealing with for quite a few t- uh, quite a few weeks now. We're talking about the general theme is heart troubles, problems of the heart from a spiritual perspective. And we've looked at a whole bunch of them so far. We've talked about laziness. We've talked about anger and hatred and gossip, worry, unforgiveness, pride, harsh judgments. And we're talking about ungodly pride there, arrogance. We're talk- we've talked about anger, fear, Weak faith, ingratitude, we've talked about prejudice, and this closing section is dealing with selfishness. Selfishness, what an ugly characteristic. What an ugly trait it is for someone to be selfish. And usually, selfishness is going to become recognizable in the eyes of other people about that particular person, whether it's a man or a woman, a boy or a girl. Now, again, we go back to Romans chapter 15, verses 1 and 2 as something of our basic text for this study. And here the Apostle Paul wrote, We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak. We ought to be thoughtful of the weak brethren in in, in the Lord's church. And not to please ourselves, not just maintaining the focus upon ourselves, but we ought to think about and care about our weak brothers and sisters in Christ, those who have yet to grow up spiritually. He goes on and says, let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. And again, edification means to build them up, to encourage them, to help strengthen them in their faith and their faithfulness, in their commitment to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, how do we define selfishness? It's to be focused on your own interests, your own desires, your own needs, your own wishes as being more important while ignoring the interests and desires and needs and wishes of others around you. It is to be self-seeking and self-centered, self-interested, egotistical, and egocentric. That's selfishness. Oh, it's ugly. Again, as parents, we think about our little children as they're going through their early formative years. And so you've got, you've got big brother and, or big sister, and they've got a particular toy. Little brother or little sister comes along. He sees the toy or she sees the toy. They, they take that toy, start playing with it. Big brother or sister sees, you got my toy. And they become angry with him and maybe even hit him, and they take the toy back. Well, mom and daddy sees that and they say, no, no, no. You need to share with your brother or sister. You need to share because they're trying to teach their, their little one to not be selfish. And they may even tell them, don't be selfish, share. How sad it is that as adults, we often forget that lesson. 
we forget the lesson we learned as a little child. Or, for, or, or maybe as parents, we teach our children, don't be selfish, but then we go out through our daily lives and we exhibit selfishness on a regular basis. It's a mindset within us. We may not even think about it as being that, but that's exactly what it is. By the way we conduct ourselves, the way we think, the way we speak to others, the way we treat others. Selfish ambition is repeatedly condemned in the scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20, Paul includes it within a list of sinful practices there. In Galatians 5, verses 19 and 20, uh, 19 through 21, again, a list of sinful practices. This time he says, this is going to keep you out of heaven. If you're engaged in these kinds of sinful practices, and right in the middle again is selfish ambitions. Philippians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, Paul said the former, he's talking about some preachers who preach Christ from selfish ambition to gain a following, to make money. You know, that's their main focus. Now, they may even be teaching the truth, but they're doing it from the wrong motive, selfish ambition. And so Paul says that's not right. That needs to be corrected. Your mindset needs to be correct as you're teaching about Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, in the Philippians letter, Paul said, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Well, let's, let's look at a, an incredible text Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, that gives such a, a vivid image of the mindset of Jesus Christ as he came to this earth as the Savior. Beginning with verse 5, the Apostle Paul wrote, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. And the translation there from the Greek into the English is difficult. Not thinking about Jesus being a robber in any sense. Another translation goes something like, does not, did not think equality with God a thing to be held on to or grasped. In other words, what it's talking about is Jesus emptied himself he emptied himself. He wasn't selfish in his position in heaven with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. He allowed himself to become man so he could go to the cross as our Savior, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross. My, what an example Jesus left us. And he left us an ex that, that example of selflessness, not selfishness. Again, Jesus left us the, the ultimate example of selflessness, not selfishness. He came in total surrender, basically to be the Savior, to be put on that cross, to die that brutal, torturous death for 
us, not for himself, for us. Now, let's think about these particular characteristics that Jesus exhibited while he was man on this earth as our Savior. In coming to this earth as a man, Jesus totally surrendered his will to God's will, not for his own good, but for the good of humanity. As I said, for us. And we think about this, let's go back to Matthew chapter 26, and we're focusing, obviously, upon the crucifixion and what led up to it and so forth. Matthew chapter 26, and I want us to look here at at verse 39 to begin with. Matthew 26, verse 39. And here we read, he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Now, this was was a scene in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was the night of Jesus' betrayal. Within a very short period of time, perhaps less than an hour, He's going to be taken into custody by the Jewish authorities, and they're going to lead him before the Sanhedrin council, and he's going to be run through a series of mock hearings that are aimed at having him executed by crucifixion on a cross. He's in Gethsemane. Most of the apostles are on the outside of the garden, He's taken Peter, James, and John a little farther into the garden with him. He's told them, wait here while I go a little farther, and he prays. And this particular prayer to the Father is significant. Notice he says, oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup, the crucifixion, all that I'm going to have to go through physically here, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus surrendered his will to the will of God the Father, and not for his own good, but for our good. We needed him to go to that cross as our Savior, to pay the price for the guilt of our sins, because we could not pay that price on our own. In verse 42, a second time, he went away and prayed, He's still in the garden. Oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Your will be done. He was subservient to God's will. If that was the will of God, the Father, then Jesus said, your will be done. I will go through that execution. I will allow myself to be crucified on that cross. In John chapter 19, verses 10 and 11, we read this. Pilate, now he has been brought before the Roman governor, Pilate, and put on trial before him. Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you? and power to release you? Jesus answered, 
you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. But Jesus did not call upon the power of God to strike Pilate dead or to somehow, in a graphic, powerful demonstration, free him from his incarceration at that time. No, Jesus simply said, you, have no, you would have no power if it was not given to you. But he respected the authority of Pilate. He did not resist. He did not try to explain his way out of what he was on trial for. Jesus had a heart of submission, of humility. He was not selfish. We're going to stop here. We'll come back next time and dig a little bit deeper. In this particular text, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, the example of selflessness, not selfishness, on the part of our Savior. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending Jesus to be our Savior, to die on that cross in our place so that we could be forgiven and look forward to an eternal home with you in heaven. Help us to learn from his example and to put it into practice in our lives, to not be selfish, but to be selfless where we need to be. Please forgive us, gracious Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.